0: On this episode, it is a rapid fire Q&A from my team from you guys. I'm answering all of your questions without having rehearsed any of them, and there are some good juicy ones in here. You do not want to miss this. I'm Andrew Maxim and this is the Profitable Practice Podcast. Made for practitioners who are ready to build a six-figure practice with a million-dollar impact that also lets you close your laptop and be present with your family anytime you want to. Together, we will challenge the antiquated ways of running a practice. We'll merge our brick and mortar online and build, systemize, and grow as maximized practitioners. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, Thank you again so much for tuning into another episode of the Profitable Practice Podcast. This is episode 199. Can you believe it, guys? Next week, we will be launching the 200th episode. And there's a few special things that we're gonna be talking about on that episode. Don't forget that on our Instagram page, we have that big contest that's going down. All you have to do is read the contest details. They're over there. There's three posts. You just need to tag a friend on one of those posts and leave a review for the podcast. In doing so, you'll automatically get a seat at our half-day intensive that we are hosting July 12th. It's four hours of live training where we do strategy and hot seats and things like that. And only our maximized Practitioner members get access to that. So you can have a free seat at the table by doing about five minutes worth of work. And then you're going to be put into a draw where you're going to hire me and my team to do anything that we can for you for an entire week at absolutely no cost. Plus, you're going to get a one-hour mentorship call with me so this is typically worth about $1,000 to hire my team and me for a week, and you are going to get that absolutely free. So you'll be entered into that, that draw for that big prize. I'm just so excited that we're hitting this milestone. I've been like Googling what do people do for their 200, 200th episode? What are they talking about? I've seen people have like little parties and cakes and things like that. I don't think I'm going to go that crazy, but I am definitely pretty damn excited. And I'm also pretty damn grateful. I've really been reflecting on the past couple of weeks, namely grateful that remote learning is coming to an end. I don't think I could have handled one more week of remote learning, even though my kids are pretty darn decent, running a business and trying to keep your kids engaged in class and then doing all their assignments between class while of course being around all the time because my husband is off working, so it's like mom every five seconds. Um, I am just so grateful that this is the last week of remote learning. I am so grateful that we have the kids in six weeks of summer camp. I am so grateful that this month we doubled our team yet again and we're actually opening up another clinic location I am so grateful for my team offering me the space to feel like I I can get back into the creative flow. I've been out of it for quite a number of months and just kind of surviving, let me just say, where I just did not feel engaged. I wasn't inspired. I wasn't excited. I was just kind of like doing the bare minimum to get by and that's what I needed to do. And now a lot of that pressure and noise is starting to fade away And we have a lot of exciting things. And we are only like halfway done the year. And this is the first time where we are very, very much on track to not only meeting our annual goals, but in fact, exceeding them. And so very grateful for all of those things. Very grateful for you. Very grateful for those who are messaging me, who are DMing me, who are booking game plan calls with me and, and letting me into their business and allowing me to offer a little bit of advice and support. And so for this episode, I asked my team, I asked my tribe to ask questions. This is going to be a straight up Q&A episode. And so I just said, okay, what are some of the most important questions that you want to know? And I'm going to answer them in no particular order. And I think this is going to be really fun. And of course, if there is a question that I did not answer that you want to hear, I will 100% go live and do that on Facebook or Instagram and save it into my IGTV and answer your question. You just got to let me know what that question is. All right. So the first question is, when do I pay for a mentor? This um, actually came up when I was talking to a new grad on a game plan call, and my answer was 100% based on where she was in her career. I firmly believe that there are certain levels that you need to graduate from as a practitioner business owner before you should be making certain investments. So this is not going to be a blanket definition dictionary um, answer. It it totally depends on you. It totally depends on how focused you are, how um, niched you are, how driven you are for a particular goal. But if you're like most of us when we graduate, you are kind of like birthed into the world You look just like everybody else you graduated with and now you have to learn this entire new career as a business owner, not just a health and wellness practitioner, and you have no friggin' clue what it is that you are doing. So from what I've gathered after interviewing um, quite a number of practitioners across the spectrum, in the first three years of business, you should only be focusing on foundational experience. This is the number one pillar of the Maximize Practitioner program for a reason. The foundational experience is where you just throw whatever you can at the wall and you see what sticks. You start to develop your confidence, you try to get in front of as many humans as you can, whether they are part of your niche or not, just so you can test the waters, you have to get confident in your value. You have to get confident in exchanging money for service. You have to get confident in all of the business skills that are out there. Maybe you're, you love blogging. You've never tried doing videos and now videos are your thing. Or maybe you thought you would do um, women's health and it turns out you love cancer therapy. Like you won't know any of these things because when you're in your practitioner bubble in school... You thought this was going to be what you were going to do, and then lo and behold, life and the universe come into play, and it isn't necessarily how you thought your practice was going to run, where you thought you were going to practice, um, how your life was going to go. So the first three years are all about experimentation, all about building those foundational experiences, all about getting in front of as many humans as you possibly can so that you can start to whittle it down to your top 100 people. It's not until you graduate into the the business essentials phase, which is typically years 4 to 6, 4 to 7, where you really start to then think about systemizing, automating, um how can I, you know, leverage my time a little bit more? How can I make this a little bit easier? How can I start developing my brand? How can I start creating my signature program. Um if you weren't sure what that was, uh, how can I really start leveling up my message? All of these things start to happen in years 4 and 6 and then typically year 7 and beyond, you are maxed for time, you're feeling burnt out and you just want to know how you can scale. So depending on where you are in your business journey, the mentorship piece is 100% going to depend on you and your comfort level. So for us, we created the Maximize Practitioner Program specifically for practitioners within the first like year to five years of their practice where they don't really know what to do. They don't really have any systems or ideas. They're not very good at the business side of things and they just want guidance, but they don't want to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars, which is exactly why we created that program. So it's a nice hybrid of live coaching plus learning things on your own, and then I try to do an updated training every single month to keep it very um, current. Once you have kind of graduated from that and you're like, okay, now I just need to make things work. Tell me what to do. I'm willing to invest in it. That's when a high-level coaching program comes into play, like our elite-level membership. I wouldn't offer the elite-level membership to a new grad because you just don't know what questions to ask. You just don't know what projects to ask. Unless, of course, you have that Clear vision in mind, and then it's a no-brainer. But most of us just don't. And so, in that first couple of years, I what I personally did, and what I um, would say to this an- this question of what do, when do I pay for a mentor is, well, do you have a clear vision? Are you confident in your strategy? Are you confident in where you want to go? Is there a path that? this mentor has paved that you want to walk down? Are you ready for the time commitment that it takes to work with a mentor? Because the one thing about hiring a coach or mentor is they're going to ask you to do work. They're going to get you to do homework. They're going to get you to do more things. And you have to be ready to do that for your investment. So if you're not ready for that, this is where I encourage, again, that foundational experience. How can you start to fill up your bookshelf with low-cost courses, low-cost tech, things that you can just start to dabble with that aren't going to break the bank and things that you can come back to later on in your career and, you know, pull that book off the shelf, dust it off and use it when you're ready. Not until you're like, okay, I know how I want my brand to look. I know I need my website to be redone. I know I want to start putting together some serious sales funnels. I know I want to start using some better tech. I know I want to create a signature program. I know I need to break down all of these limiting beliefs that are holding me back, blah, blah, blah. Once you're really starting to get into more of the strategy, not the tactical, the doing, the worried about, you know, being busy all the time and you really want to step into that higher level role as CEO, that's when I personally would start seeking out the higher level mentorship coaching programs. Um, And of course, it's all going to come down to you and your comfort level. But I know I invested in people too quick when I probably didn't need to. All of it brought me here. So I'm certainly grateful for all of the experiences that I've had. Um, But in hindsight, sometimes you just get so excited about the transformation that the transaction just happens and it didn't necessarily need to happen at that moment. Because I can tell you, everybody is open for business at some point in time throughout the year. It does not need to be this year. So that would be my answer to when do I pay for a mentor? And it's all going to come down to the clarity of questions that you want answered will depend on the level of investment you are ready to put in, right? Don't spend five or 10 grand on um, a mentor when you're doing one-on-one coaching and you have no idea what you're doing. It may be helpful, but depending on where you are in your life and how much you're willing to receive and be coached may just not be the right time for you. So don't rush into that. Okay, next question What should I focus on as a new grad? This comes up a lot. And in fact, we have three different podcast episodes all talking about where you should be putting your focus on as a new grad. And again, that comes back to foundational experience. Don't get caught up in the big fancy website. Don't get caught up in um, hiring a branding slash marketing firm to help you. Don't even start paying like PR people because It is just such a huge investment and it really doesn't pay off nearly as much as using something like that free journal website where journalists are always looking for um, uh, like authors to submit for their articles. Anyways, I will figure out what that specific name is, but there is a free site where journalists are constantly looking for people to contribute. And that's how you can get into a ton of publications for free. Um, you can pitch yourself to other podcasts, you can pitch yourself to blogs, like there's so many free ways of getting PR, do not spend $10,000 a month on a PR firm. Um, Also, as a new grad, just do everything, sample everything, don't listen to anybody's advice, don't let anybody turn you away from anything, because it is your experience, your journey, and oftentimes the people that are giving the advice to say, oh no, that will never work, don't do that, or I tried that, that's a waste of time, are people who are 10 years out, who are living a totally different life than you are, who have the experience, the confidence, the self-worth that you do not yet have, and they're giving you advice based on their journey. And it is never fair to give someone advice on how their journey should go. Be open to everything Always be acutely tuned in to the universe, listen for signs, but try everything once. I mean, I did trade shows, I did newspaper ads, I did lunch and learns, I did running room, 10 minute like opening spiels before they went on their run. I would talk to everybody. I hosted supplement tea parties, I did the webinars, I did YouTube, I did Facebook, I've tried Pinterest, I've tried everything. And I just reverted back to what worked for me, what I had the energy and capacity for and called it a day and just kind of put my blinders up to everything else. So always be focusing on the sample, on the journey, on the marathon that is this career and don't rush into anything. Which brings me to the next question and I think this is a perfect segue. How do I determine my niche? So I personally believe, again, within the first three years of practice, unless you really dialed it in, unless you really hustled and saw those top 100 patients or clients that you know are the best people for you, you should not niche down until you're fully ready because while everyone says that you should, and there is merit to what they are saying because it provides a lot of clarity, it takes away a lot of the chaos, Of what you should be talking about. It helps to hone in your message. It really helps you stand out for something. I get that. But too often we pick a niche out of a hat. We pick a niche because that was the specialty that we did when we were in school or whatever. And we force it in the real world. And we very quickly pigeonhole ourselves into a corner of a niche that we don't actually like or a niche of people that we aren't actually attracting that there's a lot of resistance but you felt obligated to stay in that niche. So you want to be very careful and I also want to elaborate on what the term niche actually means. A lot of times people think niche is health condition related, that it must be weight loss, it must be cancer, it must be PCOS, it must be fertility. And sure, for a lot of people that is where their niche is, but what about reframing that niche or creating your own niche based on your future paced hero, that's where you want to take them, and your struggling avatar, which is where they are now. And so when we created the GAT protocol, we created a methodology out of a, out of thin air. No one has created the GAT protocol before, especially not in this industry. Excuse me. And um, I just leaned heavy into my struggling avatar, who is me. I am the struggling avatar. I have gone through a lot of the journey of the struggling avatar to now become the future paced hero for my patients. But I just talked to me. I talked to 10 years ago me. I talked to 20 years ago me. I talked to yesterday me. And that really resonates with the people who I want to work with, who I want to attract. And this is where you are now creating your own messaging ecosystem through a methodology that you created, through language that you created, talking to you in the past tense to bring you to where you are now. Because all of your patients want to walk your journey. Even if you're a couple steps ahead, you are the future-paced hero for your business. And so... You can niche down by methodology. You can niche down by demographic. You can niche down by time or stage of life. It doesn't have to be so centered on a health condition or diagnosis. That's why I love the GAP protocol is it provides me with so much freedom underneath that umbrella to treat all of the gut health, to treat all of the hormones, to treat the thyroid, to treat the basic foundational elements of health I never feel pigeonholed at all with the ecosystem that I've created and that now my team is also um, executing in our clinics. So don't feel that you have to determine a niche, but certainly be looking out for it, be teasing it out, be figuring it out. And I firmly believe that if you can just create a methodology, even if it's just after your name, like the Dr. Sam solution. That's already starting to create a message that nobody can take away from you, that nobody is saying, and then layer in your personality, your perspective, your beliefs, your values, and now no one can touch you. And that's why maximizing your messaging is such a vital and important piece of standing out and something that I really try to prescribe with our students. Because if you can just create your own niche then you are solid because people are trying to create a connection with you every day of the week. They don't care what your initials are after your name. They don't care how many years of school you've had. You've heard all of this before. They want to get to know you. They want to feel connected to you. They want to fall in love with your deeper purpose, your why, your mission. That's what they want to be a part of. And um it's so important to think about that as a niche, not something so Uh, diagnostic, so um, book-related or research-related or something like that, sometimes it can be a little bit fun, and sometimes it's actually just about you. And so so often we want to fight against those things because it seems too simple, and the simplest strategies are always the easiest ones. Or let me rephrase that and say the path of least resistance is usually the sign that you're on to the right choice, you are doing the right things, because there should be no resistance if you are in alignment with your business and your values and your beliefs and who you wanna treat and who you wanna make an impact for. Okay, cool. So those are the first couple of questions. Let's see what else is coming in here. How do we provide high quality service over webcam? I thought this was a really clever question, something that I hadn't even thought about answering, but how true is this? We have an entire webinar training which I will link to in the show notes about um, merging your practice online, using online technology, your messaging, using social media, modernized marketing, all of those things to really help your business grow but it is all virtual and how can we provide those extra level touch points, still provide that caring energy even though we're not actually seeing those people in practice. Now, I love the idea of having a brick and mortar and running an online business. We are definitely, um, I would say, close to 50% virtual and in office because I love having that ability to see people in person and have that connection with them. But we have also created such a beautiful system of care for our virtual patients that I think they're getting the exact same level of experience. We have the systems to welcome them into our community right from the get-go. We have our online program, the Maximized Health Method program, which we give to all of our new patients that walk them through the basic fundamentals of the GAP protocol and why it's so important to look beyond just our visit and learn about these different aspects of your health and the different testing that's available and all those things. We go live at least twice a week on our Facebook page to nurture our people. We host monthly webinars to give people extra touch points with us where they don't necessarily have to book a visit to get some of their questions answered by a member of our team. We are putting Facebook ad spend behind all of our videos so that they get spread out to more and more people and all of these things are really helping to level up the experience and keep our clientele fairly active and renewing often because we never lose our pace we are constantly giving 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 more and more information and sharing it with our our community that word of mouth becomes a little bit easier and reminders that we still exist become a lot easier And so when we do offer promotions, we tend to do really well because we've kept that relationship going and we are so relationship centric. And of course, every time that I can use tech to make anybody's journey with us seamless, we will do it. We have created an entire web page on our website on um, tutorials of how to do all of the lab tests that we prescribe, including our new wellness kits. So even if they're getting their labs shipped out to them at home, we're there on their computer showing them how to conduct that lab testing and send it away. So we've just developed all of these things. Every time there's a blocker that comes up, we find a way to break it down. With our online booking, we just, guys, I just created my very first JNAP account. I know. It's been 10 years of doing paper folders, and now the team, just because we're getting so integrative with our patients, um, we just need to go into EMR. So um, this was the very first day where my team has experienced Jane App, and they are so happy. They That's what they were grateful for this week so far, is for Jane. Um, anyways, so even with Jane App, on our online booking page, we can't um, manage all of the sites actively through our Jane App account because... Unfortunately, it doesn't integrate with Google. So I just gave my, te- my cell phone number. I'm like, text me, if you need help, I will be there to support you. We've just like, customer service is the number one driver for me and making this business work. Like I have had days where I've driven in the car for two hours between clinics just to make sure that the supplements that somebody needed that weren't there were there the very next day. It's little touch points like that that just show how much we care, how much we um, want them to succeed and how fast we want them to get those results. So when you're providing things virtually, what else can you do to really level up that experience that you're not doing? What else can you offer to answer some of their questions that doesn't cost them the price of a visit? All these other things will go a really long way and it makes the virtual experience seem more personable because we are engaging with them in so many different mediums that they're just feeling totally secure and supported. Um, what is your favorite part of the job? So what is your favorite part of my job? My favorite part now, so I, I have to kind of speak to pre- December 31st, 2021, and post-December 31st, 2021. I could probably even go back to 2019 when I hired my very first project manager. Now, my favorite part of the job is absolutely leading my team, supporting my team, making their lives easier, working for me, constantly providing them with whatever they need to make their job more seamless, um, I I really thrive on that. I love making the systems better. I love making the processes better. I love making those really quick decisions to how can we eliminate this, delete this, make this better? What's the new operating procedure? Let's make a new um, video training on this so everyone's on board. And now that we've doubled our team, it really reinforces to me how the GATT protocol And everything that I've created is 100% reproducible to anyone at any point in time and how seamless it is for me to onboard people. So that is my new love, my new favorite part of the job. And again, as I said at the very beginning, I am so grateful for the people that are working with me and I'm so proud of each and every one of them and seeing how they've grown as a practitioner while working with me. So I love that. Pre-2019, when uh, I didn't have a team and it was just me doing all of the things at all of the clinics, there was a point where I was working at three clinics. Um, I would say my favorite part of the job was always the marketing and building, like booking up the calendar. I would get such a high on the bookings and filling it up as quickly as I could. And how could I fill it up? And let's call back all these people and see if they'll book back in and that part, I I just thrived off of that. I didn't love the execution part, which is where the team comes in, but I loved the thrill of filling up the calendar and, and pushing my limits and seeing how much we could make on any given day and seeing our, um, like I think we've even had one day where we made like $5,000 across all clinics and that was just an amazing day just to see, okay, if we're all firing at all cylinders, what is possible? So that um, was my favorite part of the job. Pre-team, um, which is why I needed to have the team because I didn't like executing on the calendar. Now, the next question, of course, is what is my least favorite part of the job? Um, again, pre-team. And what I'm realizing now is I didn't realize how shackled I was to my Google Calendar. As much as I loved filling up that schedule, it controlled me. I felt like every day I would um, rehearse and look over and over and over again at what my schedule was, who the patients were, energetically, was I excited about that, or was that going to be a scary appointment, or whatever, whatever, and then trying to fit life into that calendar. I felt so controlled by my schedule, because I was working four to six days a week, seeing people and booking them in. I never had a Saturday off until this year. I worked every single Saturday at a clinic. Um, I think like I would either take one off a year or miraculously, there would be a Saturday that just bailed. But again, I would say probably 48 Saturdays out of the year I was in the office and I just felt controlled by that schedule. And having to put on a show every single appointment um, was very draining for me. I I liked it because it was what I was trained to do, what um, I was supposed to be doing. But it, at the end of the day, it just was not fueling me at all. Um, now, my least favorite part of the job is, well, it's not even my least favorite part of the job, but the hardest part of the job right now is reassessing my role, reassessing where my energy is now, where I need to be. I'm basically still breaking myself down to build myself up into this new top of the the pyramid CEO role, and I haven't quite figured out my place yet. Um, you know, thrusting in School shut down, remote learning, my husband working full time. That's also put in a huge issue with regards to energy, where it's being spent. um, and, And that's been very difficult. So I'm trying to show up for everyone. And it's a very thankless job. It's a thankless job as the boss. It's a thankless job as a mom. It's a thankless job as a wife sometimes. It's a thankless job across the board a lot of times. And um, it makes it very hard some days to maintain that level of motivation and excitement. And sometimes, oftentimes, I just want to run away. (laughs) I just want to run away to a hotel or get on a plane and just bounce from everybody and everything. And so I'm working through that right now. That's been really tough over the past couple of months is figuring out where this Um, sometimes lack of motivation, sometimes feeling of depressed mood, sometimes feeling lazy, um, just shut down, worn down, trying to figure all of that out. And then, of course, with my hormonal fluctuations, being a woman, like, it's not so fun all the time. So right now, that's the least favorite part of the job, um, but I really can't complain. I, it's, like, so trivial to even say that, but that is a hard part, is still letting go of the ego, still trying to become that higher level person, tapping back into the creative, leaning into the energy work, um, and allowing myself to fall into it. It's tough. What is the best advice that you've ever received? Um, I've received... A lot of great advice. But what I will say is the quote that keeps me driving the most, that drives me as a woman, that drives me as a mom, that drives me as a business owner, that drives me as a partner, as a wife, was everything that you create in everything you have or do not have in your life, you created. And so that has been something that I think about every single time I get into a woe is me funk, a I can't do this funk, a I'm scared, or what if, or, you know, thinking about all the negatives. That is the one thing that I think about as well. If I don't make this action, if I don't take this action, then what is the consequence of not doing it? And that is something I have to own. If I do take this action and it's successful, well, what do I have as a consequence of taking that action it's successful? I get to own that too. So it's really helped me become a better communicator. It's really helped me become um, better in my relationships with people, my team members, my husband. Um, It's made me become better as a woman. Who struggles with her weight every single day, who struggles with being like feeding my kids healthy when most of the time it's just whatever I can make fast in between calls and letting that go, letting go the idea of everything has to look perfect, be perfect, be the best. Um, Again, everything that I create in my life and don't have, everything I have or do not have in my life, I've created. If I want to have the perfect, house and that requires me to be panicked about it anxious about it getting upset with my family I created that for that striving nature to be the perfect mom and having it all together whereas if I ask for help or just let it go and have a messy house and start teaching my kids to clean up after themselves well now I also have that as a benefit towards me um Do I want to be constantly exchanging time for dollars and always be worried about my bank account and always be chasing after the money? Well, then I'm going to have that lifestyle where I'm never home. I come home angry. I get into fights with my kids and my husband. Been there, done that. Or I can let go of the money and hire people to do the things that, quite frankly, I don't enjoy doing, I'm not good at doing, that other people are better at than me doing, and um, rewarding them for that financially which means letting go of money and now I have a a lifestyle where I work maybe two to four hours a day if I need to um, versus 12 hours a day like I used to and and the work is not difficult and it's not showing up for anybody because I have to it's showing up because I want to, because I created that. And so that, that is probably the best piece of advice, something I take with me for every decision that I make. Every time I get into my head, every time I talk myself out of something, I always just say, well, then you can't be upset for the outcome of this decision, or then you can be really proud of the outcome of this decision, but it's always on me. My lack of communication with people and my partner and I getting into a fight, that's also on me because I didn't communicate properly. I didn't think about where the real essence of that anger was coming from. And now I've created you know, a tense house and that's on me. Or if I'm not asking for help enough, that's on me. It's not on anybody else. I can't make assumptions or have any expectations of anyone. It's all about clarity and conversation and communication. And being humble, letting go of things, and being willing to accept things like help, like um, sleep and rest, and letting go of the hustle. I can create whatever lifestyle I want, and I am. And I would say that one saying, what you have and do not have in your life is all on you. I think that was Jim Fortin that said that. has helped me create everything that I've created. Finally, where do you see the industry in five to 10 years? This is a big question. And I don't think I have the answer. But I will say that the more saturated the virtual space is getting, the more virtual everything is getting, If you aren't willing to lean into tech, lean into technology, lean into doing things easier for yourself, leaning into making those investments when you have to, and spending time on your messaging, spending time on learning how to speak to people, spending time on figuring out your value, spending time on writing good copy. Spending time on making good video and gaining all of those skills, whatever whatever programs you have to take, however many uh, live events you have to go to, Toastmaster clubs, whatever you need to be doing all those things. You need to get comfortable with tech. You need to get comfortable with going online. You need to get comfortable with your messaging. You need to start creating your own ecosystem to really stand out and infuse that with your beliefs, your values, be true to who you are. Don't worry about the practitioner bubble. Don't worry about trolls. Don't worry about people coming after you with pitchforks or, you know, taking your license away. Sometimes you just have to show up as you within reason and and own that and be authentic. And those are the people that are winning in today's day and age. Like social media is winning in today's day and age. You have to get there. You have to be comfortable with that. And then the final thing that I will say is if you don't have a business that is multifactorial, meaning it's not 100% all in on in-office services, it's not necessarily 100% all in on um, virtual services, That you can add little branches to the main trunk of your business that you could pivot or feed off of when craziness happens like pandemics. Um, If you aren't developing a multifactorial business, I think you will also find that it is going to be a struggle because your business won't be able to adapt nearly as easily and figuring out what that is for you is entirely up to you it can look any way you want it to but it has to be there there has to be extra streams of income that you can create or can lean on on a dime to support you when it's a quieter month and it'll help to even things out when it's um, you know a totally different climate when people are asking or needing different things because people are shifting all the time like a wave And they are looking for different things. They are looking for different levels of quality care. They're looking for faster. Everything is just getting so fast. You need to be able to lean into that and find ways of making revenue anytime, anywhere. And if not more bookings, how can you increase your revenue per hour? And that's something that we focus on with our team is we are not fully booked. We are usually 60% booked most of the time, but our patient, our revenue per patient hour is like 300 plus every single time. So it's not always about how booked you are. It's about what can you do with every single hour that you are booked and leverage that and find ways to make it grow. (laughs) Because that is the game. It's not about exchanging time for dollars. It's about exchanging the most amount of dollars for time. All right, those are all the questions that came in. If there are any questions that I missed that you want to hear answered by me, drop them in my DMs. While you are on my Instagram at andreamaximnd, enter our contest. Our 200th episode is dropping next week. Oh my gosh. And we're gonna have to find a way to celebrate together. You've been with me along this entire journey this whole time. So I gotta reward you. And I just need to see your hand up I'm going to welcome you into my half-day intensive in July. And hopefully, I will be your baish for a week and will my team um, to do your bidding. And you can see what it's really like to delegate like a mother at no cost to you. I'm more than happy to do it. Okay, thank you again so much for listening. 200 episodes next week. Do not forget to download it. Leave us a review tag me, tag your friends on Instagram. Let me know how things are going with you. I can't wait to talk to you next week. I'm Andrea Maxim, and I'm out. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted. Leave a review and drop me a message on Instagram at AndreaMaximND as I love hearing from you. Just so you know, we also host the video version of most of our episodes on MaximizedBusiness.ca. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.